But I really am thankful for my kids. Of course, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for Livestream. Livestream, I love you. I love you. I, I've spent so much of my life, like a third of my life, here at Livestream Foursquare, and I am so thankful. Every Sunday morning, we have this pre-service prayer where, I don't know, how many people are in that pre-service prayer? There's got to be 20, 30 people in there. And I, I love that time together because it's the people that are volunteering for that day and we have so many people volunteering are you thankful for whether it's coffee ministry or the ushers and greeters the worship team the kids ministry youth ministry the young adults ministry next level classes life groups aren't you thankful for the leaders that are here that are not paid right i'm paid jesse's paid Braden's paid and then we have a part-time bookkeeper julie she's paid everyone else all those other leaders including pastor laura and including my wife and pete and all the other ones debbie they are volunteers. Aren't you thankful for the leaders here at LifeSpring Foursquare Church? Also, I just want to thank you for the words that you continue to speak into my life, life-giving words. In fact, someone just this morning, oh, man, you spoke. You said, I have something. Can I talk to you for a second? And you just poured into me life-giving words. I, I'll tell you, 2023, I made it through 2023 because of those life-giving words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've realized, I don't know if you've discovered this yet, but I've come to realize that thankfulness, thankfulness, gratitude, they're, they're vital. Like, they're absolutely necessary. You know what they're necessary for? They're necessary for the abundant life that Jesus has called you to live. Like, you could stay alive without it, but if you want to live that abundant life, everybody say abundant. If you want to live that abundant life, thankfulness, it is a non-negotiable in your walk with Jesus. I discovered this actually during 2020, and I know that's a curse word, but I just want to talk a little bit about 2020. That year was crazy. I mean, it was just crazy. And I will say this, a lot happened in 2020 that I'm definitely not thankful for. Like, stuff happened that made me mad. Stuff happened that made me sad. There, there was pain, there was frustration, a whole lot of grief. I had to start reading a lot more about grief. But it was in 2020 that I started going on a lot of walks. And you kind of got to do that, right? Because you couldn't go anywhere else. And so you went on the walk. But even that, they tried to close some of the... Anyways. But I went on a lot of walks. Moving on. But then 2021, my walks turned into runs. And I started running. But these walks, again, uh, maybe because of the isolation and whatnot, they were by myself. But was I really by myself, LifeSpring? No way. No way. Who was I walking with? I was walking with the Lord. I was walking with God. Does anyone else walk with the Lord? Anyone know what I'm talking about? These, these walks or these runs, they were life-changing for me. Because it was in these, and these were extended walks, extended runs. My body did something amazing. Maybe you can relate. And it was with physical activity, and I think physical activity is so important. I, I just want to speak that over you right now. Make sure you're working hard, getting your body working hard. It's good, not just physically, but also for you mentally. But in that physical activity, away from my phone, right, away from my TV, away from anything else that could distract me, these walks, they gave me space to begin to process some of the harder things that were going on. Space to process the hurt, the, the pain, the trauma, the, the sense of loss, even the feeling of just, I just kind of felt lost. And yet there I would be walking with the Lord, processing it all, me and God. By the way, it could get ugly. Ever been on an ugly walk? Like, <laughs> I'm glad I was by myself because sometimes I'd yell. 
Sometimes I'd cry. I mean, a lot of times I'd cry. Just why? I'm processing all these emotions. But I'll tell you what, I, I really felt this. Again, it started in a beautiful way during the height of, height of it all. It's just as the midst of everything being taken away, even having to say goodbye to some of my best friends, family members, just a crazy, crazy season. I'd also say this. There was this thankfulness that began to emerge. Pretty crazy, right? Kind of counterintuitive. But if you're a Christian here today, you know what I'm talking about. You can relate. It's like on the worst day ever, when you've received the worst news ever. And yet there you are with God, and, and you'd hear his whispers. And you'd whisper back, oh, God, I love you. God, you're so good. God, you're good. You're good. I, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I, I'm thankful for the clothes I'm wearing. I'm thankful for the house that I'm living in. I'm thankful for the oxygen that I'm breathing. Did you know that life is a miracle? Anybody else? Just, just understand that. Understand that. If you don't know what to be thankful for, be thankful that you're here with your eyes open with oxygen to breathe. You are alive. Thank the Lord. And it's an attitude of gratitude, of just being thankful to God no matter what the circumstance Right, no matter what the situation. And I'm telling you, it was a gratitude that began to grow in me, develop in me, and it's really changed my life. I've carried that again into twenty twenty four. It actually reminds me of a song by one of my really good friends. Actually, we're not friends at all. I've never met him in my life, but I wish we were best friends. His name is Ben Rector. Anybody heard of Ben Rector? Um, one person has heard of Ben Rector. That is incredible. But there's a song that he came out with in twenty twenty two and uh, I just want to play a little bit of it. Amen, right? Thank you, thank you. You have been good to me. You are always good. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, last stream, listen up. As we head into 2024, thankfulness is going to be really, really key. Not just for you personally. I believe that's true for you as an individual person, but I believe that for a church. As a church, live stream, Foursquare, listen up. We are to be a thankful people. I want us to really hear that today. I just want that to be settled in your heart today. You know why? Because as I look around the world, things aren't going that great. Unfortunately, I keep on going to my news app every time it disappoints. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The geopolitical issues going on. By the way, those things aren't going to be fixed in a day. These are issues that are going to be around for a while. And if the Lord tarries, these are things that our kids and our grandkids will also be navigating. Again, it is crazy. But it's right there in the midst of the craziness where I believe Christianity works the best. I really believe that. It's right in the middle of the chaos where we can find order in Christ. It's right in the middle of pure evil and evil darkness where we can find the light of Christ. It's in the world of 
power hungry people of selfishness and greed where you can find a spirit of love, a spirit of grace, of thanksgiving, of gratitude that is found in Jesus. Can I get an amen? You know, the other day I was telling somebody how thankful I am to be alive in this moment of history. I say that often from the pulpit. I love saying that. It's a great time to be alive. Every time I get shocked looks on people's faces with that comment. But I really believe it. I I believe it. It is a great time to be a follower of Jesus because, do you know what, church? The climate is ripe for the good news of Jesus. The climate is ripe. Do you know what I'm talking about? This world that's tried everything and anything else, you know what the world needs? They need Jesus. The world needs rescue. The world needs deliverance. The world is trapped in bondage. Guess what they need? They need to be set free. The world needs Jesus. They need the Savior King. You know, there was another time when the climate was ripe for Jesus. Really any time, but I'm thinking about specifically 2,000 years ago. Think about the world into which Jesus was born. He came to a people. He came to a Jewish people who had been through quite a lot. They had been tossed to and fro by the leaders of the world. Think of all the kingdoms of the world that had come and gone. The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, Greece, and now Rome. Right When Jesus is born, the Jewish people, in the days of Jesus' birth, they're being ruled by a puppet king, King Herod, installed by Rome. And for God's people, think of it this way, for God's people, the Jewish people, this is just how it's going to be, right? They don't have much hope of things changing. There's no hope, uh, you know, it's an election year, and maybe you got your guy or your gal that you're like, man, if if they get into office, then things are going to change. They didn't have that hope. Caesar rules, and there's not much you can do about it. And yet it was right there in the midst of Caesar's rule that the Messiah, the king, the hope of the world is born. I love Christmas time because you get to read some, whew, some good passages. You know that one in Luke, the one that we say every year, that the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Say it with me. Good news of great joy for all the people. Now, I'm not sure many of God's people were thinking there was any good news under Rome's oppression. In the natural, they were looking around and they didn't see anything that was cause for great joy. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus brought. He was good news of great joy. Remember, he grew up. He didn't stay that baby in a manger. He grew up, and during his earthly ministry, guess who was still in power? Guess who was still overseeing Judea and Jerusalem? It was the Romans. The Romans, 30 years later. Think about that one. His whole life was lived under Roman rule. And yet even in the midst of opposition and oppression, Jesus began to preach the good news of great joy. Messiah had come. Messiah and his kingdom had come. It's like what Jesus says in the synagogue in his hometown. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Luke. I'm going to walk through a few of these pages. We're in Luke chapter 2. Now I want to go to Luke chapter 4. If you remember, Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist. The spirit comes upon him like a dove. But then the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness where the devil tempts him. You remember how long he tempts him for? That's right, Pastor Joe, 40 days. But then right after that, look at this, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Jesus stood up 
I love it. He reads, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he finds the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Don't you love Jesus? To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, sits down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue are fastened on him, and he begins by saying to them, say it with me, church, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Today. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right? To proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that today this scripture is is fulfilled. I mean, talk about good news of great joy for all the people. But again, that's kind of crazy talk because it's, again, in the midst of Roman rule when a lot of things aren't going very well for God's people. But listen, Lifespring, it's right there when things seem the darkest where Jesus invades and walks into the room. Has he done that for you, church? He comes in when it seems the darkest, and he says, you know what, actually, that prophecy, the one from Isaiah, and, and they all knew the prophecy. Many of them probably had it memorized. He goes, yeah, the one you knew, the one you memorized, the one that you're expecting, longing, hoping for it to come. Ta-da. It's me. It's fulfilled in me. Now, if you keep reading, the people begin to doubt if that's really true. They kind of turn on him. They begin to ask questions like, wait, aren't you Joseph's son? In fact, they reject him. They reject him so much that they drive him out of town, and unsuccessfully, they even try to throw him off a cliff. They reject Jesus. And yet, keep reading the Gospel of Luke. Keep reading. Keep reading, because an amazing thing happens. Though many people reject Jesus, some people Except his message. Something beautiful emerges. You see it happen throughout the Gospels. Though some reject, some accept. Some receive Jesus. Some receive his teaching, receive his ministry, receive his kingdom, receive him. By the way, I love that we announced the reading plan here at the church. I love our reading plan. This is actually one we did way back in 2017. It is weird to think that 2017 was seven years ago. That is Cray cray. But anyways, the reading plan, uh, I want to go and put it up there right now. I'd encourage you to be a part of that. You don't have to. A reading plan actually isn't in the Bible. Thus, you know, thou shalt read a reading plan. (laughs) But we just want you to engage with the Bible. So however you want to do that, you can start your own reading plan. You can invite friends to read the Bible with you uh, doing it that way. Or you can do really whatever you want to do. Like you are free. What I would encourage you in, though, is read the Bible. Jesse, I don't remember the stats, but you gave some of the most depressing stats about how little Christians actually read their Bibles. So this is just us saying we want you to read the Bible. we got like 60 people signed up right now, which is great. Uh, The cool thing about this one, too, there's a little section where it says talk it over. And you don't have to respond there, but it's a chance for you to write one or two sentences of what you feel like the Lord told you that day. It's really, really cool. The other thing about this reading plan, why I like it so much, is if you guys know a guy named Nicky Gumbel. He's over in the U.K., Uh, At the beginning of every reading, if you just push the triangle, otherwise known as the play button, Nikki, Pastor Nikki and his wife will actually share a devotional 
based on that day's reading. So it's, it's really, really cool. But I encourage you to engage in the Bible because I want you to be encouraged by the Bible. Because the Bible is actually very, very encouraging. It's God's love letter to you. Read the Gospels. Read about Jesus. Because, again, it's in the midst of a very, 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 very dark time in history when many people have rejected Jesus that many others actually begin to receive his message. But today in my message, what I want us to hear and I want you to pay attention to is pay attention to who receives his message. See, as much as kings and queens over the last 2,000 years have given their lives to Jesus, from the very beginning, you actually see that it's people who aren't in positions of power, but those who are actually maybe, I would say, on the outside or on the margins of society, that that's who Jesus comes to. But those are also the people that many times are the ones who say yes. Jesus came for the lost. Did you know that? He came for the sick. Jesus came for the sinner. I think there's some Christians that need to be reminded of that because we get so judgmental about sinners. And yet I'm like, whoa, what is church even for? Did you hear? Did you read? Jesus came for sinners. And if you're that judgmental, then I'm glad to say that he came for you, too. No one got my joke there. It was really good, too. He came for the brokenhearted. Anybody brokenhearted today? He came for the poor in spirit. He came for the one who feels rejected. He came for the one who's been tossed out by society. He came for them. Church, he came for you. He came for us. He came for everybody. He came for all the people. Read the Gospel of Luke after that powerful moment in the synagogue where the Isaiah prophecy is fulfilled. Keep reading. He launches his ministry. But he doesn't strategically start with the celebrities, right? He doesn't, you know, find out who the celebrities of the day are. He doesn't even go to the influencers of the day. He doesn't even go to those in power. Who does he start with? Read the Bible. Again, I'd encourage you, read the Word. Who does he start with? He starts with every day, ordinary people just like you and me. He starts with people who are suffering, Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I'm suffering, Pastor Dan. Well, guess what? He came for you. He came for those who were suffering from sickness, who were suffering from disease. He came for those who were suffering even demonic possession, tormented by demons. He came to heal them. He came to set them free. That's what you see in Luke chapter 4. Keep reading. Luke chapter 5. He begins to call his 12 disciples. Again, who does he call? He's not calling people in power. He's not calling the people in places of influence. Instead, he's calling pretty ordinary people. He's calling stinky fishermen, right? He calls Peter. Peter, kind of a messy guy. Have you read about Peter? Don't you love Peter? Because he reminds you a lot of who? You. A messy, normal guy. But then keep reading. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Do you get close to someone with leprosy? No. You get to the other side of the street because if you touch the man with leprosy, you're unclean. And yet when he saw Jesus, he falls to his face to the ground. He begs, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, what does he do? He touches, don't you love Jesus, life spring? Come on. He touches the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Praise the Lord. Just a few verses later, there's a man. He's paralyzed. 
The men carrying him can't get him to Jesus. You guys know the story. You heard it in Bible school, right? Sunday school. They, they open up the roof. They, they lay him like right down, right in front of Jesus. Jesus forgives the man's sins. He tells the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, go home. Jesus tells then a, a, ta- a despised tax collector, Levi, and maybe you guys know him as Matthew. He says, I want you to follow me. And then Matthew's like, okay, I'll follow you. But then right after that, Matthew or Levi, he holds this banquet for Jesus. This banquet, half of us would not be comfortable at this banquet. Listen to who's at this banquet. Verse 29 of uh, chapter 5. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors, oh man, and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Let me say that again. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what I love about being a pastor. I'm not good at drawing a crowd. I'm not trying to draw a crowd. In fact, one of my great gifts is to disperse the crowd. Who did Jesus come for? If you were in any of that list that I've talked about in the last 20 minutes, he came for you. And this church is for you. That's who this place is for. He keeps going. Luke chapter 6. Large crowds developed. Look at what happens here. A large crowd of his disciples was there. A great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon? Oh, man, I looked this up, too. I wanted to say it right. It's not Sidon. It's Sidon. Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Wow. Goes on. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Look who he came for, church. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you, when they reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. In fact, leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to those who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now. For you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. He goes on to say, Love your enemy. Wow. Love your enemy. Feed your enemy. Pastor Laura calls it the upside down kingdom of Jesus. It's the Jesus revolution. He comes to every day, ordinary people, and he says, I came for you. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? He says, my kingdom is for you. And, and the reality, if you read the scriptures, 
this isn't true of everybody, the, the thankfulness that rises up. Not everybody is thankful. But for a lot of people, that's exactly what happens. Because Jesus coming into their life, it's a game changer. Like, you're just not expecting it. it. It shocks the system. It rattles them. It surprises them. This kind of thing, it doesn't happen in their society for those kinds of people. It makes me think of that man. He was sick for 38 years by that pool. You know that story, right? He's hoping that someone would carry him into the waters. That the waters would be stirred. I could be put into the waters and be healed. For 38 years, Scripture tells us. And yet Jesus comes and he says, get up. Pick your pallet up and walk. And immediately, immediately, the man became well. Picked up his pallet and began to walk. And again, not everyone responds in thankfulness. But many of them do. Many of them do. I I want to look at a passage where I think you really see this played out. Keep on flipping through your pages to Luke chapter 7. Let's look at Luke 7. We're going to start at verse 36. Such a good story here. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. Really pay attention to these words, church. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he'd know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answers, Simon, I have something to tell you. Well, tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Here's the question. Now, which of them will love him more? I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus says. The one who had the bigger debt forgiven. So he turns to the woman and he says to Simon, do you see this woman, Simon? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Her many sins have been forgiven forgiven as her great love has shown but whoever has been forgiven little loves little but whoever loves little or whoever has been forgiven little loves little jesus says your sins are forgiven the other guests say who is this who even forgives sins jesus says to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace Amen. Talk about thankfulness. I mean, this is worship. This is a scene of worship. She is just kissing his feet, pouring perfume on his feet. It's beautiful love and worship being expressed because why? She's gotten a glimpse of how much she's been forgiven of. She's so thankful. It's thankfulness. It's gratitude in worship. Again, life spring, I hope our worship is just filled with thankfulness. Are you thankful when you sing to the Lord, when you worship the Lord? Is it gratitude and thankfulness in your heart? 
Because why she has been radically changed. Her life has been radically changed. And yet think about this, church. I want you to think about this. Everything has changed in her life. And yet in many ways, nothing has changed. Track with me here. Everything has changed. And yet in many ways, nothing has changed. Because the Romans, they're still in power. All those who viewed her and judged her in a certain way before Jesus touched her, guess what? They're still viewing her and judging her in that way. She's being viewed the same way she's always been viewed, still being looked at as an outsider, still an outcast. And yet, though, in a way, nothing has changed. We also know, as Jesus followers, that everything has changed. She met Jesus. What's the change, church? It's Jesus. Jesus is the change. She's been forgiven by the king. She's been given purpose. She's been given meaning and new life in the king's kingdom. Think of it this way. It's a thankfulness that exists even in the midst of circumstances that maybe aren't that great. Even when circumstances don't change. It's a thankfulness based on who? On Jesus and Jesus alone. Can we grab this this morning on this new year? Can you relate to that? Can you relate to this choice that she had to make? Think about your life. She made the choice to worship. She made the intentional decision to be thankful. Listen, and it's not for circumstances or because something happened in your life or you you got the spouse or you got the house or you got the job. No, why is she thankful, church? Is it based on circumstance? No. What is she thankful? What, why is she? What is it all about? It starts with a J. Jesus. Jesus. It's for Jesus and what Jesus has done in her life. As I look back at 2023, but also as I'm praying about 2024, here's my heart for you, Life Spring. That because of Jesus, we choose to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude. You might need to add some other words in there, like because of Jesus and Jesus alone. Because of Jesus and nothing else, but because of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. By the way, this is a Jesus place. This is where we meet with Jesus, where we grow in our love for Jesus. And because of Jesus and what he has done, we choose to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude. That's a choice that every one of us gets to make. I don't get to make it for you, but it's a choice you can make today. If you're struggling with gratitude, if you're struggling with thankfulness, by God's grace, in this moment, please do not play around. Get your eyes back onto Jesus. Consider what the Lord has done. What has the Lord done? Has the Lord done anything for you? Or do you think you're just waiting for him to do? Do you know what you are breathing today? What has the Lord done for you? Consider what the Lord has done. Has he done? What does he mean to you? What does his actions mean to you? What does his word mean to you? What does the Bible mean to you? What does his death mean to you? What does his resurrection mean to you? What does it mean that he literally is the soon and coming king? What does that mean for you? And the question is, has the Lord forgiven you of little or of much? That's a good question for all of us to consider and ponder today. Has the Lord forgiven you of little or of much? What has the Lord done for you? Your answer to that question in many ways is going to determine the level of your thankfulness and your gratitude. What has the Lord done for you? And I get that many of you are walking through hard things, unimaginable things. There's pain. There's grief. There's sorrow. There's hardship. I'd also say this. We don't have to be afraid of those things. We don't have to live in fear of those things. 
Uh, that is a harsh reality of life. Life can be very hard at times. And my encouragement just as a pastor would be, so don't walk through those things alone. As much as you can, engage in community. I know that community can be rough at times and people say stupid things at times. But as much as you can, engage in community. Have a good counselor or be with a therapist. I, I think it's really good to have someone to talk to. Seek wise counsel. Find uh, wise men and women in the Lord that you can talk to and, and hear from them. Find a safe place to really and honestly grieve you got to have a safe place where you can be vulnerable and transparent and open up your heart but i say this humbly but i want you to hear this church i I say this in all humility but i'm not here to tell you that 2024 is going to be better than 2023 isn't that funny how much we say stuff like that now is god going to be great is god going to do great things are we going to grow to become more like jesus Absolutely. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. But your circumstances, the situations you face, I don't get to decide or or tell you whether it's going to get better or worse. I'm not in control of your life. And in many ways, you've probably learned this as well. In many ways, you aren't either. Now, there's things you can control. You can control uh, the decisions you make. You can make wise decisions. You can put yourself in wise and healthy places. You can make healthy choices. I just think about, you know, physical exercise or what you're eating or not eating. Like, there's a mature way of being human. And we want to be wise. We want to be healthy. We want to be mature. But come on. Sometimes unimaginable tragedies happen to the wisest person. I've discovered that even horrific sickness can happen to the healthiest person. So we don't get to control all of that. But again, what do you get to control? You get to control how you are going to respond, the condition of your heart, how you are going to respond to what Jesus has done for you. What's the condition of your heart this morning? January 7, 2024. Where are you at, church? Let me say this again. You can control. You have the power to control how you respond to what Jesus has done for you. Again, when I'm on those walks with the Lord, I often cry. And those tears, I mean, if you've been there, you know what it's like. Those tears often are full of grief and sorrow and pain. But even on the same walk, those tears turn into tears of gratitude, of thankfulness, tears of joy, tears just of abundant love and a life. It's like what I say often, that you've got to learn how to have joy with tears in your eyes. It's a joy that emerges for what God has done. You're just like, thank you, thank you, thank you, for you have been good. To-. When was the last time you walked on the road? with Jesus and just thanked him for who he is in your life right he's been so good to me I haven't deserved it I don't earn it but he is good to me I'm overwhelmed by his goodness his love his mercy his grace my heart is filled with gratitude and thanks and listen no one and nothing in 2024 gets to take that away from me some of you need to declare that no one and nothing gets to steal that heart of thankfulness and gratitude away from you. Nothing. No one. No one. No one gets that right. I will be known. When you go to my funeral, and you, you all have to sing at my funeral, by the way. I, I tell everyone that I talk to, like, you have to sing at my funeral. And you have to sing at my funeral. And I always try to find the person that's the most tone deaf and say, hey, I really want Will you do this for me? Will you make sure you sing at my funeral? Because I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Because they're all going to do it because they love me. Or maybe they won't. They were like, we're free. Dan, Dan would want us to be free. <laughs> but until my dying day, I will be known as a grateful, thankful person. You don't get to affect that. Never will there be a day 
when I am not a thankful, grateful person. That is who I am in Christ. Can any of you say that? I hope you can. Here's just a few verses to back that up to encourage you in this. Listen to the Apostle Paul, Colossians 4.2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Hebrews 12, this is so powerful, very encouraging. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, think of all the kingdoms of the world, the kingdoms that have come and gone. Think about even the kingdoms right now, corrupt kingdoms, evil kingdoms. And yet we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. He says, since we are receiving that kingdom, what should we be? Let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Listen to Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is instructions for us, church. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Isn't that beautiful? But how are we going to do all of this? We're going to do it with thankfulness. Thankfulness where? In our hearts to God. And he says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed. So this is whatever you do, in word or in deed. So with what you say or with your actions, whatever you do. So this is like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. This isn't just like for 23 hours of the day I'm going to be thankful, but for that last hour I'm going to be grumpy and bitter and complain. No, 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 no. So this is like all 24-7. You're going to what? You're going to be thankful. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? Man, you guys, that was tough. That was, that was thanks. Thanks a lot, God. Church, come on. I'll do this all by myself. If no one goes with me, I'm still going. I will be known as a thankful, grateful person. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving. Yes. Come on. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in all circumstances. I get that it's a challenging word, but remember who and whose you are in Christ. You are a thankful person who has been truly set free in Christ. So I give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, this is who we are. We're to be thankful. We're to be thankful. I'm so thankful for my parents, my mom and dad. They've shown this throughout my life. My mom and dad have been through so much in their lives. And I've never known a day where my mom wasn't thankful to the Lord. There's a thankfulness in her heart for Jesus, not for her circumstances. Man, she's, she's been through a lot. But what is she thankful for? She's thankful for what Jesus has done for her. He has given her eternal life. Side note on all of this, I've noticed, and maybe you have too, that this attitude of gratitude is picking up steam in the non-Christian world. I saw a news report about gratitude the other day. Uh, This is actually posted. I'm going to put this up on the screen. This is from the Anxiety Disorders Association of America's website. And I quote, look at this, church. This This is not a Christian organization. Gratitude can increase your happiness and well-being, life satisfaction, even overall health, while decreasing the stuff we all want less of, like anxiety, depression, and anger. It can be a powerful practice to cultivate, especially if you struggle with anxiety or depression. That's not even a Christian Organization. They're saying, look at what gratitude can do. It affects happiness, well-being, satisfaction, overall health, and decreasing anxiety, depression, and anger. And yet, we got Jesus. 
gratitude. I mean, that's like second nature with Jesus. Because I once was dead in my sins. But now I'm alive in Christ. Worship team, I would invite you to come back up. And again, the question just for you and me and anyone listening to this on the podcast or on YouTube. What has the Lord done for you? What has the Lord done for you? Get your eyes on to Jesus and be filled with gratitude. Be filled with thanksgiving for what he has done. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. I mean, I was stuck in my stuff. Anybody ever be stuck in your stuff? You're just trapped. There's nothing you could do to get out of it. And yet Jesus forgave you of all your sins. He paid the penalty. He paid the sin debt. He paid it in full. He conquered death itself. He literally rose from the grave. He was dead and he rose from the grave. He was vindicated the risen Messiah at his resurrection. Even now, he's seated at the right hand of God. He's the mediator. He's one that loves you so much that he baptized you. He asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptized you with the power of the Holy Spirit, where the presence of God dwells in you even now. You can go and play whenever you're ready. Because of what Jesus has done for you. And yes, we grieve. Grieving, by the way, is a very normal part of being a human it's a normal part of being a christian jesus himself wept when he heard that lazarus had died but also remember this you don't grieve as those without hope because you know that this life is not all there is my last breath here is my first breath in eternity this always makes my wife really nervous but i'm not afraid to die i'm i'm good and I've said this so many times to Mary. I said, babe, I said, if I die tomorrow, I've already lived like two lifetimes. I've, I've lived so much life. I've had the best life ever. And if I'm not here, I get to be with Jesus. And I love you, but I love Jesus. That's the cool thing about being a Christian. He takes away the fears, even the fear of death. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will be with him in a city of gold with that river of life. Oh, man, it just gives me goosebumps. River of life. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. A tree of life. Eden restored. Oh, Jesus. Where there will be no need of the sun because the sun is going to be shining in all your glory and all your love. Oh, Jesus. I'm so thankful for what you've given me. You didn't just make Sunday morning a little bit better than it was before. But you turned this dead man who was dead in his sins. You you just, there's a metamorphosis that happened in my life. Where I was radically changed from the inside out. And what once was dead is now alive forever in Jesus Christ. And for that I will forever be grateful. And nothing and no one will ever steal that away from me. I want to pray for you right now, church. We're about to sing, I trust in God. But before we do, I I just want to pray because the reality is in our world, in our culture, our culture is struggling with gratitude. You see it in the way we treat waitresses. You see it the way we treat each other on Interstate 5. You see it the way we're working in our even treating our bosses or treating our employees. 
And if that's you, if you've just kind of bought into that lie of the world that says you, you just get to be picky and grumpy and, and complaining, and I just think the Lord would want to remind you of that woman who poured out her perfume on Jesus. That in the natural, not a lot was going to change. And yet everything changed. And because everything changed, she began to worship the Lord. And I just pray for you right now that if that's you, if you're struggling with the condition of your heart, begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to worship Him. Even with your questions and your worries and your fears and your anxieties, even with the the hurt and the pain and the rejection and, and all the things that you're trying to process, process them in the presence of God. Come to Jesus. Come to the feet of Jesus. He's a safe place for you to process all the things that you've been walking through. Come to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Worship Jesus. Pour out everything you have on Jesus. And no human, including Pastor Dan, no one gets to tell you how your life's going to go from now on other than we get to tell you that Jesus is going to be faithful, that Jesus is going to be good, that Jesus is going to be loving, that Jesus is going to be with you forever and ever, that Jesus will never fail you, that Jesus will never disappoint, that Jesus will never reject you, that Jesus will never cast you aside, that Jesus, he's willing and able to be your best friend, but also to be your Lord and your Savior. Run to Him. Worship Him. I also really feel this in my heart right now. For some of us, this might take some time this morning. And I just say, don't leave this place until the Lord changes your heart. In this fast-paced, give-it-to-me-now culture, Lord, I just feel like you're asking some of us to stay in this place until you change our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, begin to minister to our hearts. Cut deeper. Cut deeper, Lord. Whatever we say, whatever we do, would come from a grateful heart. Sing this together, blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's been my fourth man in the fire, time after time. Born of His Spirit, 
washed in his blood. Thank you, Jesus. And what he did for me. Would you stand with us? I trust in God. Come what may in 2024, Lord, we declare we will trust in you, God. I trust in God. Lord, we'll be a grateful people. We'll be a thankful people that you snatched us out of the enemy's hands and you set us free and you've set us on high places. You We're even now seated on high with you, Jesus Christ. We worship you, Lord. A perfect submission.